business, finance, and economics. This is Finance Friday's Real Economics for Real Life. Welcome to episode 20. With England entering lockdown 2.0, last week we saw a united front from the UK's economic and finance policymakers, eager to show yet again that they are ready and willing to do whatever it takes to support the economy through this rough patch. But where the measures announced by the Bank of England and Her Majesty's Treasury reactive instead of proactive? And above all, will they have much of an impact on real people's livelihoods and businesses' prosperity? All of this and much more coming up. Shall we start off with monetary policy? Let's do it. So yes, the Bank of England has launched a brand spanking new £150 billion stimulus package for the UK economy. Amid the second coronavirus wave and the reintroduction of lockdown all over England, the nine-member Monetary Policy Committee, or MPC, based at Threadneedle Street in central London, voted unanimously to ramp up its quantitative easing bond buying program to soften the economic fallout from rising infections and t- tougher restrictions. Now, at this point, let's engage in a little Q&A session, shall we? Um, Trying to figure out what is quantitative easing? Um, What does it do and its kind of main purposes? So, yeah, quantitative easing is what some non-economists would call turning on the printing press, shall we say. Um, It's a tool used by central banks to inject money directly into the economy. How? Well, under the policy, central banks like the Bank of England, the US Federal Reserve, the Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank essentially buy up government bonds from commercial banks like HSBC, uh, pension funds, hedge funds and other big financial companies in order to flood the financial system with newly created electronic money. Why? Why do they do this? One of the reasons for this is to reduce borrowing costs, making it cheaper for businesses and households to take out loans or to refinance existing debts. This is because when the central bank buys up large quantities of government bonds that can push up their price as demand outstrips supply. So when the bond price goes up, the yields or the interest rate um, an investor receives goes down. This helps because government bond yields influence interest rates on a wide range of other financial assets like corporate bonds mortgages, overdrafts, um, business loans, etc. Now, the second reason is that banks and investment funds get cash in exchange for the bonds that they sell to the central bank, which they can then use to invest elsewhere in the real economy. Now, let's talk effects. 
because what I just went through is all theory, basically. We need to assess whether a £150 billion increase in bond buying will actually help the economic fallout from COVID. Will it help people's you know, livelihoods, real people's livelihoods, uh, businesses' prosperity, etc.? And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm a little sceptical. Um, one of the reasons for my scepticism is the fact that interest rates on government bonds are already at rock bottom levels. Take the UK 10-year government bond, for example. It's currently trading at 0.321% at the time of recording. I mean, how much further can the Bank of England push down these rates? I guess we could go negative, so I that's so that that that's reason number one. My second reason to be skeptical is that QE quantitative quantitative easing does have some complicated consequences. Um, despite that, it is like unanimously agreed across most research that QE QE or quantitative easing helped to keep economic growth stronger, wages higher, and unemployment lower than they would have been otherwise um, during the 2008 financial crisis, for example. However, as well as bonds, um, QE increases the prices of things such as shares and property. This tends to benefit wealthier members of society the top 1%, who already own these things as the bank itself concluded in 2012 through a report. Meanwhile, younger people and just the rest of us in society have found it harder to buy our first homes and build up savings, which is what QE was supposed to help those people out with in the first place. So I guess you could say it's a double-edged sword. But um, I do see the value in QE. However, it's not without its negative consequences. All right, fiscal policy. Now, I think we're all familiar with the fact that the coronavirus job retention scheme is to be reintroduced and will now run until the end of March 2021. Now, just like back in the spring when it was initially um, introduced to us, employees will be receiving 80% of their current salary for hours not worked. So in essence, under the revised scheme, workers made redundant after the 23rd of September can now be rehired and placed on furlough. Similarly, support for millions more workers through the Self-Employment Income Support Scheme will be increased, with the third grant covering November to January calculated at 80% of average trading profits up to a maximum of £7,500. On top of all of this, the government also announced cash grants of up to £3,000 per month for businesses which are closed, costing the Treasury £1 billion every month. There was also a £1.1 billion package being given to local authorities distributed on the basis of 
£20 per head for one-off payments to enable them to support businesses more broadly. There were also plans to extend existing government-backed loan schemes and the future fund to the end of January, and an ability to top up the bounce-back business loans. Now, if you're a homeowner, you will be excited to know that there was also an announcement to extend the mortgage payment holiday, as well as up to £500 million of funding for councils to support the local public health response. Now, this is like the fourth or fifth time that the Chancellor of the Exchequer has stood up at the dispatch box in the House of Commons in the last six weeks, current one for jobs and the economy. And I think that just goes to show the enormous job that he has on his hands, um, trying to be adaptable to the evolving situation around the pandemic that we're all facing. And it's that constant changing levels of support from the furlough scheme to its less generous job support scheme, plus the job retention bonus, and then back again to the furlough scheme that have increasingly frustrated businesses and opened Sunak to criticism from the opposition Labour Party. The Shadow Chancellor, Annalise Dodds, had this to say, and I quote, Businesses and workers have been pleading for certainty from the government, but the Chancellor keeps ignoring them until the last possible moment after jobs have been lost and businesses have gone bust. End quote. Paul Johnson, the director of the influential Institute for Fiscal Studies think tank, offered more criticism, saying he was taken back by the Chancellor's move. He said this in a tweet, and I quote, basically return to March schemes dreamed up on the hoof in 24 hours, as if nothing learned since. Wasteful and badly targeted for self-employed. No effort at targeting sectors, viable jobs for employees. Big contrast to position just days ago. Damn, Paul Johnson wasn't holding back, was he? Ouch. But I have to say, I kind of agree. It just feels like the Chancellor Mr. Rishi Sunak hit the panic button here. This was clearly, in my opinion, a reactive rather than a proactive move. Which is surprisingly, really, because just a few months ago, everyone was loving Rish, praising him for being nimble, adaptable, flexible, all of that good stuff. Some were even tipping him to be the next Conservative Party leader. But now, it's looking spooky. It's looking a little different, I'm not going to lie. Now, was this just a temporary blip from the Chancellor? Who knows? Either way, it's not a good look at all. But what about the effect of these furlough schemes? Are they actually working to, you know, to help people from unemployment? And to a large extent, you'd have to say yes, but um, it just got to a point where there was just so much uncertainty for businesses and some of them were forced into making difficult decisions. Take the recent announcements from the retailers, Sainsbury's, John Lewis, Clark's, 
plus you know, Lloyds Banking Group and a caterer for British Airways. They are all looking to cut jobs, thousands of jobs, or, you know, look at the latest unemployment figures that just came out on Tuesday, showing redundancies in the UK reached a record high. 314,000 people losing their job in the three months to September. That's no good for real people's livelihoods. The self-employed continue to feel neglected by the Chancellor. That's no good for business prosperity. So, hey, a lot of headwinds for businesses and households in the UK. And fiscal policy may have to step up even further in the near future. Ooh, just a thought on that furlough scheme extension until March 2021. Does that mean that the current lockdown could well be extended until March 2021? I mean, we are scheduled to exit lockdown 2.0 on Wednesday, December 2nd, but it seems like the government may be thinking just in case we ever enter lockdown 2.5 or lockdown 3.0, God forbid, we already have the economic support in place. I don't know, just a thought. Okay, so let's talk about the overall impact of these new fiscal and monetary measures. You already know where I stand. I am sceptical that they will actually provide relief to the UK economy. But, and it's a big but, I may be missing the point because perhaps when policymakers announce these things, it's far more than just about whether those measures work or not. Maybe it has more to do with sentiment. What do I mean by that? Well, when the Bank of England governor or the Chancellor of the Exchequer stands up to announce new policy measures, it sends a very powerful signal to the financial markets, households, businesses that they are ready and willing to act and ultimately do whatever it takes to support the economy. And this is why I always cringe when some people say economics is the study of money or they try to compare economics to business studies. Sorry, business study students, but they are not even in the same ballpark. Economics is essentially a psychology. It is the study of human beings, human behavior. So the next time the Bank of England or the Chancellor come up with some brand spanking new support scheme for the economy, try and think, hmm, what kind of a message are they trying to portray here? to the real actors in the economy, as well as will these measures actually work or not. Overall, though, it is good to see that fiscal policy by the Chancellor and monetary policy by Governor Andrew Bailey and the MPC are cooperating nicely together, hand in glove. I don't think it was by accident that both of these policy changes were announced on the same day um, with the Bank of England going first at 7am on Thursday last week announcing their QE boost 
and then the government extending the furlough scheme later on in the afternoon. And that's precisely what we need at this moment in time. So long may that continue. And perhaps more jurisdictions around the world will follow suit. I'm looking at you, America. Get that stimulus signed and sealed. Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi. But I say all that to say um, that the role of monetary policy, in essence, can be broken down into two things. First is to increase the amount of money supply sloshing around in the financial system. And then secondly, fiscal pol- monetary policy is there to lower borrowing costs. I believe that monetary policy is perhaps not best placed to fight in this environment, to fight the crisis that we're currently facing. I think central banks are being asked to carry too much of the burden. You see, in the US, um, the Federal Reserve is being quizzed on what it's doing to close the racial gaps in unemployment and wealth. I'm even hearing talk of central banks being asked to do more to fight climate change. Like, come on. (laughs) Now, don't get it twisted. These are honourable causes and issues, but central banks just do not have the tools for dealing with them. I think fiscal policy is the most important factor right now. However, with that being said, we have to be careful. Because fiscal stimulus may actually encourage the virus. Take the Eat Out to Help Out scheme in the UK. You know, this was an initiative to encourage people after the lockdown to go to their favourite restaurants, bars, cafes, etc. And yeah, do their thing. However, that was creating the perfect environment for the coronavirus to spread. That is why I believe that what's needed right now is support economic support instead of economic stimulus. I think stimulus should come later on, next year perhaps, in 2021, alongside a vaccine. But right now, economic support measures should be the priority, like the furlough scheme um, in the UK and all over Europe right now. Well, that has been it for episode 20 of the Finance Fridays podcast. I hope that you've been informed and educated on the new economic policy measures announced in the United Kingdom. Be sure to subscribe for your favorite podcast provider and join us next week for another edition of On Your Marks, Get Set, Race for COVID Vaccines, part two. Until then, this is Finance Fridays signing out. Peace.